Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Take a second to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Lynn Shelton's new drama, Outside In. The film follows Chris, a 38-year-old ex-con who is finally granted parole after 20 years behind bars, largely due to the tireless advocacy and support of his high school teacher, Carol. After the two are reunited, Carol begins to realize Chris's feelings for her have turned romantic, a situation complicated by the fact that she is married with a teenage daughter who has also befriended the awkward parolee. In addition to Outside In, Ms. Shelton's credits include the feature films We Go Way Back, My Effortless Brilliance, Pump Day, Your Sister's Sister, Touchy Feely, and Laggies, as well as episodes of the television series New Girl, The Mindy Project, Master of None, Casual, Fresh Off the Boat, and Love. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Shelton spoke with director Ava DuVernay about filming Outside In. During their conversation, she shares details of her actor-centric directing style, explains what she learned from speaking with incarcerated people as research for the film, and describes the editing room as a redemptive place. Thank you, sir. Evening, folks. Hi. Isn't this a good way to spend a Friday night? Really good movie. Really good movie. Hi, Lynn. Thanks, Ava. Hi. Gosh, nice so to happy to be here with you. Oh, my God. Thanks for doing this. Are you kidding? I think I, I have to disclose our relationship. I'm obsessed is basically the relationship. Um, if, you if you Google my name and Lynn Shelton's name, you will find many, many articles. It always makes me laugh, but it's true. Many, many articles where people say, early in my career and even now, who was who the filmmaker that you most like, admire, who influenced you, and I say Lynn Shelton, I want to be the black Lynn Shelton. I say that all, I've been saying that for years. I've been saying that for years because, is this the seventh feature? Yeah. The seventh feature, and how rare that is for a woman director to be able to continue to make work on your own terms, and uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that, and how you've been able to maintain that, but first, let's get into this. How did this come to be, and working so closely with Jade, was it, did it start with him, start with you? Well, um, a lot of times I'll start with an actor as my muse, and I had known him, I worked a couple times as a director with his um, brother Mark, knew Jay as a filmmaking peer, and then he just suddenly at the age of 40 started to act, and really blew my mind, because I never too. thought of him. Yeah, I saw him on Transparent, and I just was kind of blown away, and I told him, I think I'm going to be lightly stalking you until we work together and he seemed open to that and then this was an idea that I'd had the backstory of this idea of this relationship developing over 20 years and the high school teacher and all of that had had been percolating for a while and then when I was thinking of something I wanted to do with him it occurred to me it would be a stretch I thought you know because this this character doesn't have a lot in common with him as a you know but I I was curious to see, you know, what his range was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hadn't seen him in a role yet that really tested that range. And I had a belief that he could 
he could tackle something like this. And so I called him and pitched him basically the setup of the movie, like everything that had happened right up to day one of the movie. And yeah, he was really into it. And then um, I like to involve the actor when he, they're involved that early on. When I get them involved that early on, I would like to involve them in the development of their own characters so it feels like you know that character could just slip on like a glove by the time we get onto set and it invests them in the project more. And it tends to bleed, you bleed back and forth between the plot, you know, the narrative and the, and the character development. And he had a lot of input about the narrative as well, more and more and more. And then we finally ended up just passing the script back and forth. So he became an official co-writer. Yeah. But that's a little deeper than the usual kind yeah. of character building process right. with other actors. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. it was really, it and came when, out when of his it... passion for it. I mean, he was so passionate about, and he got really deep into researching um, the process of re-entering after being in prison for that long. Um, you know, just and all the different effects of that psychologically and as well as just what, what it's like um, you know, with the with the dexterous tact against you, everybody preconceiving their notions of what you who you are, you know, and how hard it is to get a job, just every little, you know, thing. But anyway. No, I was just going to ask, at what point in your process did you realize, oh, this is a co-writer relationship and not character building with the actor? I mean, when did it, it kind of cross that right. line? Right. Well, I mean, it was really when he asked. It was it was like a couple, three months when before he the, when uh, he said, could I, final he like begged yeah. me to do, a, he asked if he could do a pass on the script. And it that would first, be when. That would be when. And, and then at that point, I mean, it was really funny because that first draft came back and I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. I, you know, like you, we're really different, like artists, we're really strong-minded artists. So I pushed back on a lot of the stuff, but I realized a lot of the ideas were really good too. And so at that point we just passed it back and forth and it was like, okay, we're on, we're full on. This is a full on collaboration. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So Edie Falco is just uh, oh a revelation. A goddess. Me. <laughs> yeah, a goddess. And I feel like I say she's a revelation. Like I have not seen her do, you know, extraordinary work again and again, but it's like it's always fresh and there's some, so many new layers. First of all, as a director, I, I would be a little intimidated. Uh, Edie Falco's on the set and she's doing her thing, but tell me, how, how did she come into the process? Did you know her before? I Again, this was really lucky. It was Jay. She was the last uh, sort of jewel in our crown and I, ha I actually ha was able, there were a couple of other actors who at various points had been had been attached and then had to go off for various reasons. And so it was a little bit late in the process and we were knighting, you know, biting our nails a little bit. But she had worked with um, Jay just had, just for a couple days, been on the same set uh, of Landline, Gillian Robespierre's film. And he's a charming guy, you know? So she had very warm, fuzzy feelings about him and I think it really helped, that really helped knowing that that would be who she'd be playing with. And then she loved the script. She just said, this is how real people talk. Um, and somebody of her age, she, you know, a woman of her age does not get offered a part like that with a lot of, you know, sort of a deep emotional layered life. And she's talked about that a lot as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so they knew each other before. I wasn't aware of that because they had such just a chemistry. Just a little bit, but yeah, okay. it helped. It, was really, it really helped. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you're working with a new cinematographer here. Are, are yeah. you? Yeah. It's somebody I've known forever, though. Okay. He's been a camera operator for me. Oh, wow. And so my okay. old, my old time, long time um, uh, director of photography, Ben Kosalki, who's made my first six films with me, was off doing other things. And, uh, and 
yeah, I mean, I interviewed a bunch of folks, but as it turned out, I'd always wanted to work with Nate because what had happened with Nate Miller, who who shot this and was such a beautiful collaborator, I loved working with him, and we're actually in development on another film that we're about to make together. Um, I want to be the Black Lynn Shelton. She just makes them. <laughs> it's, it's like this. It's amazing. Well, there was a big old gap between this one and the last one. It was four years. It was too well, long. I can never do TV that again. Shows in between, but anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, got to keep busy. Out of trouble. Um, but yeah, it was. I've been wanting to. He had stopped. He hadn't worked on Laggies. I think that was the only movie he hadn't worked with me on because he had said, "Okay, he was making that jump. You know, I've got. I want to be a DP now." Mm-hmm. So he had gone and put um, a bunch of movies under his belt. You know, uh, um, as a DP and really you know, it was like, oh, it's time, like we're ready. Because he'd always, he's one of those people, you know how, how it is when you have somebody on set with you that just makes you feel really grounded and really, you know, mm-hmm. and he was just always one of those people that just is a great, I can kind of kind of <laughs> go like this and he's just <sighs> like the Buddha, you know, just bring, <laughs> brings nice. me down to earth. So That's yeah, nice I loved working have. with him. Now that relationship is, is just such a, a, a I mean, important is not the word. It's it's um... well, and he becomes like you know the the love scene in this film is. I don't know if I've been prouder of anything else I've ever directed. I and and I wish I could take more credit for it. It was really, <laughs> it was really just like creating this emotionally safe space, figuring out what the choreographers be, and then just let them do. It was mostly in one shot. And he's like, it's like a threesome. Like he's in there, yeah. you know, because he's operating our my DP operated as well. So. It really, it's like knowing where to put that camera. And there's a few scenes like that where it's like this incredible handheld work, just the instinct of what to do with it. And oh God, yeah, it's 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 a special, special thing. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. You could tell there was something something really beautiful going on. I didn't know that he had worked on your cruise before. So he's seen the evolution of Lynn Shelton's the seven feature film yeah. uh, career. And um, how would you say your approach is? Because as you look at them, I feel like they, I mean, there's a there's a, a very kind of, they're, they're Lynn Shelton films, and yet they, they, they're blossoming and they're unfolding and they're growing uh, with each one. Uh, so when you look back at the seven and you go from one to seven, how would you say you've changed when you look at your work in the way that you approach it and in what you want to say? Well, I mean, it's easiest to speak about this last one because there was this four-year gap between, and before that, it was more like a year and a half. Like I really was making them pretty often, but um, this there was a four-year gap between the last two, and I was on set con- almost constantly because of all the television I was doing in those four years, and it really made a huge difference. I learn, I always, I can feel it. I can feel how much I learn every time I step onto a new set, and there, and the. The quality of the shows, you know, Glow and Love and Casual and Master of None and these, you know, Shameless and Mad Men, these shows that I've gotten to work on have just been, um, I've been so blessed to be offered really great uh, opportunities like that. And very cinematic directors of photography who all came from film and all had, you know, and so collaborating with them, I would learn more and more and these great actors and not, just not having no intimidate, no feeling of intimidation anymore about, you know, working with. Sort of name actors or what have you. So um, yeah, it was that I really noticed a difference uh, when I stepped on the f- the set of this mm-hmm. film. It was really like, oh man, I have so much more in my toolkit, you know, and just a general sense of confidence and ease. And I felt like I knew what to do with prep more. Mm-hmm. Like I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was more productive. I knew I sort of had a, a, a greater sense of how I wanted to, you know, focus up and what I wanted to concentrate on and. 
think I'd always been a little at sea and kind of like improvising before somehow and during prep. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to put exactly what my finger on um, about it. But And I hate to choose between my children because I really do love all of my films. But I really do. I think this is my best one. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, that's what the critics are saying. Yeah, for sure. I um, I just want to point out, you know, she, she listed some of her films, but really who sits before us is, and truly, we can do the numbers, is the most prolific American woman director um, of our generation, truly. Seven features, just to give context to, you know, how, how challenging, you know, name American women who have done seven features. It's one hand, and it's not a whole hand. And, um, and, and then all the television work, in addition to that, you also have a family and a life and you don't live in Los Angeles. I don't understand who you are and how you're making all this happen. Um, but, but yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about that work balance because you know when you talk about stalking Jay, like I stalk you, trying to figure out how is this woman making this happen? You get to choose the films that you want to make, the television shows that you want to make, and still keep that family life, which is a challenge for many directors of all kinds. Yeah. What is your philosophy? Give us the the, the, <laughs> the world of Lynn Shelton, and how do you manage? <laughs> well, it's all, you know, you have to sort of, the time that you do have off, you know, I would just, like, dive into the family. Um, I mean, I was really lucky, too, because... I started spending, I live in Seattle, but I spent, I started spending more time over the past three, four years, five years maybe in down here, mostly because of the television. I mean, I've made seven films all in Washington state. So that helps, you know, that I'm always up there and have usually been able, I think I've been able to edit up there every time as well too. I found a Seattle based editor. So um, I'm only down here for the television work. Now, sometimes that means a couple months. I mean, it, it can be a long stint. But, um, you know, it really worked. I had a supportive spouse. I have an amazing spouse who was, who was willing to take over as the primary caregiver. It helped that our kid was, you know, in junior high, high school by the time I really started spending a lot of time away. And they are best friends, and they do fine without me. And, you know, <laughs> so that really helped a lot. And my husband and I have been together for so long that I think it actually sort of saved our relationship to have these, these stints away from each other because we can be autonomous and, you know, we can just keep evolving as a couple and really appreciate being together. So it's, for us, it's worked out. Um, but it, it, is, it is hard, you know, and you do get to these times when you feel alone or you feel isolated or you feel, you know, it's... it's 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 work, you know. It is. Yeah. Well, you make it look easy, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of admiration and respect for that. One of the things that I love about this film is the way in which it talks about, you know, one of the scourges, a scourge in our society, which I'm very passionate about: incarceration and criminalization in a way that's wrapped in this beautiful love story. It's also really giving people information about the way that we treat formerly incarcerated people in this country. Um, because you serve your time doesn't mean that you're free. You know, so many rights taken away. It's really, um, it's really uh, inhumane. Uh, the way yeah. that we expect people to re-enter society and jump right back into living a full life when we don't give them full rights. Um, what was your preparation for getting into that? It was an idea that you had, but how did you really kind of um, educate yourself to that world? Well, I've also, I, I, one of my dad's best friends is uh, Peter Neufeld, who is a co-founder of the Innocence Project. And um, I've hung out a lot with him. He spent a lot of time with uh, folks who have been who've come out of prison um, I was really nervous when he saw it in New York. I was like, God, I hope he feels like I did okay. And he really did. He said um, he felt like 
what he's seen is that a lot of guys who go in at you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, and no matter how long they stay in prison, whether it's 5, 10, 20 years, when they come out, they're basically exactly the age they were when they, when they went in. Um, and he also said, uh, you know, another thing that some people feel like, well, he should be angrier. Why isn't he angrier? This guy seems really sort of soft for somebody who's been in prison that long. But he said, in his experience, the folks who can't manage, everybody's angry, but if you can't figure out how to deal with it, you know, within the first couple of years of your time in prison, you those are guys, the guys who probably won't make it out. You know, they'll they'll re they'll keep like upping their serve, you know, time served because of trouble that they get into, or they'll, you know, they'll die. So um, but the folks who actually are able to somehow figure out how to you know how to deal with that and process that anger and then you know navigate the world in there, they're the ones who survive and come out, you know, on the other side and can try to reintegrate. But anyway, that, that was encouraging. But, um, you know, we looked, we started with documentaries. We looked at a lot of um, interviews with, you know, just started on YouTube. And then Jay actually sat down with some folks who had actually come out of prison. So um, we both did a, a dive, but he did an even, even deeper dive. Um, and re we really wanted to get that right, even though it's not what the movie is about, you know, it really is more of that background, you know, and it really is about the relationships and the love story. We absolutely wanted to to get it just right. Fantastic. And just to talk a little bit about because I, you're you're known as an actor's director, and that's apparent in all your work. This these performances are gorgeous. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Thank you for agreeing. She's got some thumbs up, some nods. People agree here. Um, uh, can you just talk a little bit about? Some many directors in the room. A little bit about um, your work with actors and the way that you approach it. Everyone has a different. Do you have you changed from film to film, um, or have you always kind of had a, a way that you like to approach? God, it's so. It's. I feel like it's always basically been the same idea, and it really all came from the very first film I made was with Seattle actors. I didn't go to film school. I came out of um, a, as a solo artist out of photography school, and then got into editing because it was my marketable skill was digital editing, and then. And then so really learned about cinematic storytelling from the editing side. And being on the set of my first feature, it, it was a ridiculous, I was basically sort of commissioned to write and direct my first feature film by this nonprofit film studio in Seattle that was very short-lived and it was extremely lucky. But um, being on that set was really the first time I'd really been on the production side. And I had been an actor in the theater years before and I was really stunned by how the entire structure, the whole paradigm of how you make a film traditionally um, is just seemed like designed to obstruct the central work, which is that of the actor. Because no matter how beautiful you know the lighting is and the production design and everything, you know, if the acting and the writing doesn't work, you you're kind of screwed. <laughs> you know, you don't have a movie. So um, I therefore then my second film was really an experiment to see what would I do, what would happen if I created just a completely performance-centered set and I just sort of tossed all of the equipment away and I just made, you know, took little cameras, very Dogma 95, like I thought, let's just be as unobtrusive as possible. I started with the actor and said, let's build a character around you just for you and I used improvised dialogue and I tried to just make it feel like a documentary. I just didn't want it to feel written, I wanted it to feel real, real, real. And I've no, and I noticed that ha casting the crew was just as important as the cast. Everybody had to be on set 
very focused on that, on creating that emotionally safe space for creativity. Because it's a huge risk, you know, everybody is risking creatively on set and you want them to all feel respected and valued and like there's this, you know, they because you're gonna fall down, you're gonna fail, and if they if you if you're too afraid that you're gonna be judged, you know, um, it's not gonna work. So yes, and making sure that you know actors have time to spend time with each other and get comfortable with me, you know, building trust and just yeah, it's all about emotional safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so your your background was in editing. Yes. Yes. I mean, first as an editing. actor, then as yeah, first as a theater actor, then as a photographer, and then as an editor for a long time. Yeah. So you're one. Of, are you a director who loves to, who loves the? Oh my the, god, I I love it. I'm, they're, they're two, I'm in there. Two tribes. Oh, I know. There are two tribes. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I know. I didn't even. I was like, really? There are people who just will. Like just pop in and I then know, leave. I can't, like I I'm even, in there the whole know. time. It's like two-headed monsters. Are you I, like that too? No, my editor and I sit yeah. like shoulder oh, yeah. to shoulder. Yes, I'm breathing yeah. in his ear. Like I know. I love working with actors I, so much, but I don't know the edit. I think it's beautiful time. Might be, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so redemptive. What a beautiful redemptive place. I can't tell you how much we cut out of this and <laughs> rearranged stuff and you know yeah, took wholesale things out and then like, well, let, what if we put it back in just this version of it? You know. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's amazing, so much oh, playing. Fun. So that process, have you worked with the same editor for many years? Or um, I've worked, Nat Sanders, who was also did Moonlight um, and Barry Jenkins' first film, he and I worked together three times. He did Hump Day, Your Sister's Sister, and Laggies, and was not available for this film, but um, I was able to work with a woman named Celia Beasley, who uh, is based in Seattle, and had worked with my friend Megan Griffiths a couple of times, and she's just... Um, She's just spectacular. So she, it was a new editor this time, but she she had been a friend. So it was sort of somebody I'd been like, oh, we could finally get to work together. You know, it was great. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. So how can folks here support the film? I mean, tell us when it's coming out. This looks like a crowd that likes to stay on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> I can tell. You guys are just can barely keep your phones in your pocket. Um, but but you seriously, never know. telling your friends, tell, yeah, tell us um, how to to, to it's, get more. It's folks. kind of had its theatrical run. I mean, it was at the Lemley NoHo. It was at the Quad Cinema for a couple of weeks. They held it for an extra week. Um, and Seattle, uh, Portland, Eugene, you know, like just all around Chicago. It was in Philadelphia. Much more than I thought. I thought it was just going to be New York and LA. Nice so run. I feel very lucky. Um, and it'll it's now available on. Amazon and iTunes and um, I think pay-per-view and uh, somebody saw it on an airplane I think available to buy but uh, it'll be on Netflix June 1st okay. so it'll you know be one of those long Yay. tail things but please yes please spread the word however you can even if it's just telling you know buddies and, and family if you enjoyed it obviously yeah. but yeah I really feel like these are performances are these performances are the one are ones that we should be talking about when we get into those year in conversations about beautiful performances and so often for films like this that are indie and smaller um, it takes people who are passionate about it to really get that moving so I'm passionate about the film I'm passionate about Lynn Shelton if you are too please spread the word about outside in and Thanks, thank Ava. you so much for coming tonight thank you thank you so oh much Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. In the coming weeks, we'll hear from directors Jay Chandrasekhar and Paul Schrader, so be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.